0: Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 podcast. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you doing, guys?
1: Welcome to Almost
0: 30. It's Lindsay and Krista. We got our buns up. We got our buns and our grease (laughs) grease buns blaring. (laughs) Our greasy ass hair buns are blaring. You got a bun on top of your head. I actually have been so... Disgusting that I'm motivated
1: to get ready now this week. I'm motivated. Motivated. This is about as ready as I'm going to get, but I'm motivated. (laughs) It's ten percent ready, but it it feels good. Such a difference. I was like, oh, I'm going to shower. I'm going to blow drying your hair is actually uh some it does something
0: to you. It makes you think you're going somewhere. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. So hopefully you guys are doing well, braving the storm. I'm curious how things have been for you. If things are settling, if you feel like things are getting better, things are getting worse, let us know. We are open for discussion. I feel like it feels like we're transitioning to potentially going back to not normal, mm-hmm. but it feels like we're moving out of it for me. Like it feels like the markets are stabilizing. People feel like they're more active and inspired to do things, to even go to the grocery store, to walk outside. There's people walking outside all the time. Very much, yes. People in nature all day. And I don't know, I just get this this feeling that things are going to start to shift. Yeah, it definitely feels, I feel
1: end of May-ish. But I also am curious if there's going to be a rush back to quote unquote what was. I don't know. I think some people will, some people won't. I'm just like curious how that will play out and how that will affect me personally, will affect us with business, like what that will kind of feel like when, say, you and I, almost 30, want to maintain, say, this sense of, okay, slowness, intentionality, peace, all the things. But then. Our agents are on one. You know what I mean? Like
0: I'm just saying, like all the the fans (laughs) are on one. Our agents want us. There's TV networks that want us. But there's other like other systems around us that I'm wondering will stimulate us to be like, okay. I know. (laughs) Nothing stimulates this more than me. (laughs) Than my insaneness. But it does it, it stress stress out seems like a little traumatic. But I do when I think about potentially going back to things as they were it does make me feel a little nervous oh same makes me a little anxious very much so especially with travel with nature i've really loved seeing the air the skies clear like being able to look and see no smog in la is powerful there's no marine layer having empty roads has mm-hmm. been incredible
1: that's a huge one here a in huge la one. yeah i'm able to scoot scoot this is the la that i've dream of I know. <laughs>
0: Apocalypse LA is the LA I like. I know. Yeah, it's been in that way really, really nice. And here everyone that's working from home is really, for the most part, this is who I've been talking to. It seems mm-hmm. like they're enjoying it. I was talking to a
1: close friend yesterday and they were just saying how their priorities have completely shifted. They're like, I wanna have a baby. I want to get a house. Like obviously, you know, a privilege to be able to do that. And like that was not their priority two months ago. Two months ago, I was like, well, maybe in like five or six years after, you know, the heyday of my career and I'll figure it out. But now it's just completely shifted, which as like an outsider and a friend, I was like, wow, it's like really beautiful to see you just kind of get clear on some stuff, you know? So I think that's happening for a lot of people, but it's also hard to like metabolize those shifts and priorities Because like you've held on to the ones that you've had for so long So even though it might be a positive shift, it might be hard to let go of but What i'm looking forward to too when things not go back but like move forward is just seeing people again and really like Having get togethers, having little dinner parties, like going to the park and having a picnic with people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't actively park in the picnic with people <laughs> with
0: Pepsi Colas.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't actively like plan that or
0: seek that out. Yes. Yeah. I'm um I'm just looking forward to people feeling if they have had shifts that have been negative in their lives to feeling better or feeling relief, but otherwise I'm really enjoying Mm -hmm. what's going on. But I do have my moments every day of that, you know, that tinge of fear that, that creeps in. Um, But I felt so productive being at home Mm -hmm. so much more, you know, Justin and I have just been like working together all day, which is so fun. Like he's such a homebody; He's such a one person person. So he's really loving it. And I love like at the end of the day at like 6 PM, I'm like, Oh, done what do i want to do now totally sit in front of my fucking uv light for four hours yeah (laughs) totally. i do i want to singe my face off
1: (laughs) with my juve i didn't realize how much time we were spending like even just being in the car coming back from like a meeting like we have so much more time to either do or not do Mm -hmm. but i was like oh my god Mm -hmm. like the days are flying i feel yeah it's kind of weird but there's so much that I'm able to get done and just kind of sit in and swim in. And it just feels so like much more thoughtful. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: But it's wild. So that is our wish for you. And, um, What's really great too is that we've been doing a lot of um, workshops and IG lives with everyone just to support our community during this time. Whether you want to learn more about a specific topic that we talk about on the show, if that's energy healing, human design, femininity, and the divine feminine, intuition, uh, finances, we have workshop topics uh, or we have workshops on all of these topics with leaders, healers, teachers in the space that are really aimed to help you feel better, to up level, to really use this time uh, the best you can. Yeah, you can
1: sign up for one or all of these workshops at almost thirty podcast dot com slash new dash paradigm. You know, our intention is to really bring people together so that you can go deeper and really do focused work on these particular topics and in community, even though it's digital and online, there's something about like gathering on a Saturday that has been so... Cool. So we would love for you to be a part of that. And then uh, Krista and I also put together a really special program called Inner Peace, and we are we have cultivated our practices, our tools, our rituals that have helped us over the years. Really, like we just realized, especially during this time, how important this ability is to cultivate a sense of inner peace. And so we just wanted to create a really actionable program that, you know, you can go through and then return to at any time and, and customize it for what works for you. But, uh, it's called inner peace. You can learn more by going to shopalmost 30.com.
0: Yes. And then we do have a workshop with Ryan Rice, mm-hmm. this amazing podcast guest, called Quitting Anxiety Forever this Saturday from 11 to 1.30 p.m. And we are going to talk about the myths around anxiety that keep us stuck. We're going to talk about Ryan's proven daily practices to reduce anxiety and stress. We're going to learn a one-minute tool to use anywhere anxiety hits. We're going to talk about inner childhood work. We're going to go through boundaries. It is going to be incredible, and we are so looking forward to it. I could use all of this tools mm-hmm. all of this information <laughs> about anxiety so i'm really excited about the workshop this weekend
1: yeah and i don't know about you guys but like i didn't realize i had anxiety until later in life and i kind of characterized it as something else when i was younger mm-hmm. so it's just been really interesting to kind of meet it now and you know have practices that really help me to at least put it aside, like I know it might always come up in certain situations, but I mean, Ryan's practices have really, really helped me even just from meeting him when we met him at onsite. That was kind of the start of our friendship. And he's just so captivating. Like anytime you talk to Ryan, like you feel like you're the only person in the room. He is just so thoughtful and grounded and such a good listener, which I think is... One of the best qualities of a person. I just love a good listener. But Ryan Weiss is a life coach and spiritual counselor, writer, speaker, and he's the creator of Waking Up with Ryan. And I'm just so excited for this conversation today around anxiety. And he's dealt with it. You know, he's felt stuck before, he's felt depressed, anxious, and really fed up. And that's
0: truly the, the symptoms that he treats. Yeah, in this conversation, so we talk about what anxiety is, what it isn't, and we talk about a proven tactic that Lindsay and I have really leaned into across, across the past year or so um, about reparenting. You know, mm-hmm. so going to that child that you, as a younger version, and really helping to reprogram your subconscious so that you can create just a better life for yourself. Uh, we talk about our journey with anxiety, what it feels like, how it shows up for us. And um, I think this conversation is super actionable and inspirational. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about
1: Ryan, you can go to wakingupwithryan.com. And again, more from Almost 30, almost30podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, almost30podcast. I'm at Lindsay Simsick. And I'm at? It's Krista. Yeah. Um, Enjoy this episode. We're going to read a note from someone in the community on the other side of this. But as always, thank you so much for listening, for sharing with your friends and family. If an episode resonates with you, I'm sure it'll resonate with someone else. And we're here for you during this time and beyond. So take care of yourselves and we'll see you
0: soon. See you soon. We love you. We're so glad to have you. It was such a, you know, meeting you at Onsite was so... Kismet and we're just so grateful to know you. I just I was so just impressed by your ability to like be grounded in who you are at all times. And you were someone to me that piqued my interest in a lot of ways, but I was really impacted by the way you held space for people. You know, I'm learning how to hold space. I I can hold space, but I'm learning to actually hold physical space between us to allow people to experience what they need to do. And you just held such space for people. So I was so glad to meet you. And you know, I'm really excited to have you on today. Your work on anxiety is so profound. And I know it's so relevant for myself and our audience. So I'm so looking forward to this.
2: Yo, thank you. And it's amazing to hear that that's how you experienced me and... Firstly, I've done a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to stop talking all the time and listen to people and just be present with people. And at the same time, the idea that I came off as what you're telling me I came off as is beautiful because if you could take a trip into the mind, the thoughts that are going on inside of my mind in social settings like that, my, my lack of self-esteem and insecurities and anxieties arise all the time. And so I'm in a constant process to find healthier ways of relating to myself and taking really good care of myself when those thoughts arise. You know, I, I I'm just gonna like I'll just jump into this already. Like I'm thinking about somebody, one of my coaching clients who I was just talking with, who is having a really hard time with dating, and. Was, she asked me, when am I just going to like be confident like you are, Ryan? When am I just going to be like brave like you are? And I was like, girl, <laughs> if you knew the thoughts that go through my head, this confidence that you think I have, this bravery that I have, doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. It doesn't mean that my thoughts don't beat me up. It just means that I stay in the room. It means that when the thought happens of, like, let's just say if it's a date situation, and before the date, the thoughts come up of like, uh, I should just reschedule it and tell them that I have something going on with my kids because da 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 you know, I don't feel attractive. I, I, I don't look great. Whatever the thought is, instead of canceling it, you let yourself be afraid and act anyways. And I think that that piece. Is how I've trained myself to be able to show up. It's not that I've gotten rid of insecurities and doubts and fears. I don't know that that's possible. But it's just like, how do I choose to still live and choose to still engage in life, even with all of that happening?
1: Mm. Yeah, so much to unpack there. I think the first, you know, that point about listening more is really profound for me because I think in our journey, like getting to know our community and learning how to hold space was so much of that was being able to listen, not feeling like we had to say words to comfort them. So I would love to dig in there because, you know, I don't know if people quite understand the power of listening and how you become a good listener and why that is such an important part of creating space for people.
2: I've come to find that listening is everything that listening has to do with slowing down. It has to do with stopping, with pushing the pause button. Listening is a way of observing. And if I go into this spiritually, I don't think we humans came here to this earth To do more and build more and create more and just more, more, more to achieve. I think really we came here to observe, to pay attention to how amazing being alive already is, how incredible the natural world already is. And so I think of listening like that. Listening gives us the opportunity to stop distracting ourselves with all of the doing and practice observing and when we pay attention it's like the difference between paying attention to what actually is as opposed to paying attention to all of our thoughts about what is and so I think the need to talk 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 all the time to fill space like you just mentioned Lindsay of like we've been listening, holding space for our community. The more we listen, the more we see the beauty in being alive and the need to constantly make noise, the need to constantly talk has to do with how insecure we are with pausing in our own internal world. Right? Like, and how do we practice that? We practice it through meditation. We practice it through going into a practice every day to just start to observe, right? Like, we're so unconscious typically about how much noise is going on in our mind. And we're so trained in that fast speed. So typically, we think a thought, we immediately believe that thought as if it's true. And then the third step is we react to the thought. Right? And, we're, and we're living on this hamster wheel of think it, believe it, act on it, then think it, and believe it, then act on it. And we have very little self-control in that way. We really become a victim to our own minds. And I study a text called A Course in Miracles that says the ego always speaks first, and the ego always speaks loudest. And so if we're always listening to that very first thought, which the ego is a thought system that is steeped in fear. It's a thought system that believes I'm separate and small. It's a thought system that tries to get me to believe that I'm separate from you. And it does through, does so through judgment, right? So it's painting pictures about people. It's painting pictures about the world and it's painting pictures about myself that are disempowering. And typically that, That voice speaks first, and I believe it, and then I act on it. And my actions are creating my life all the time. And so when we go into meditation, we start being able to listen to those thoughts. And we may still believe them. But the cool thing about meditation is when we sit and we stay, yes, we hear the thought. We may believe the thought, but because we're sitting, we're not acting on the thought. So we remove that third step from the puzzle. And then the more we meditate, the more we meditate, we will start to hear the thought and maybe we won't be so quick to believe the thought. And then the more we practice that, when we move through the world, right, at work with our boyfriends or girlfriends, with our family members, with our believing things about our health, when we move through the world, we think these thoughts. And if we're meditating, we won't be so quick to believe them and we'll actually, going back to listening, we'll listen to the thought. Instead of just immediately believing it, we'll start to question it. And then we'll stay and we'll listen a little bit longer, and maybe something more true, more loving, more real, more compassionate, more connecting will show up on the other side of that. And so I think the practice of listening to others and listening to ourselves is totally something that we're never trained in. It's something we have the opportunity to train ourselves in now.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. I you know, my greatest pet peeve is when I see people unconsciously play the track I call it playing the track, and you know I've seen it in people that I know in my life that are unconscious. And it's like, I just see in their little brain, they're like pressing play on the track, which is like the programming that they've grown up with. So if that track is like, and a lot of it was seen through my parents, you know, my mom having a track related to like her body and this kind of story she told herself. And my dad is like the conservative track where it's like, you know, we all get quiet. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to play the track, which is like, did you guys know that there are this many jobs? And like, you know, it's kind of just like the unconsciousness of the conversation. And the other day we had a call with the partner and I was on the call. It should have been a half hour for an hour. And it was like playing the track of like not being in tune with like what was needed at the time and being grounded, but like just playing the track of what they're used to saying, what they've always said, and like kind of unconsciously regurgitating information and not being like present to really what's there. And I think for people listening and people in business or in any walk of life, like the ability to like actually be present with what's there for the person that you're engaging in conversation with is like huge, huge, huge. And when people feel heard and seen, life gets so much better. And like you get so much more time and space, especially with meditation. Um, So I really loved what you said that. And I think it's interesting too, with listening, especially with you, it's like when you listen and when you're confident, when you hold space and when you're quiet, people think you're confident you know, people think and understand subconsciously that that's actually power and confidence. And people know subconsciously and can kind of really think about people in their life that talk too much, that really never shut up. And they they know deep inside that that feels a little weird, that feels like, like they're not confident, that feels a little off. And so that power of being able to hold that space and being able to be in quiet is like so profound. And the information that you'll be able to pull from life, you know, by being more quiet is like, is fascinating, and I'm you know I'm trying to do that now. I'm not I'm not the best at it, but it's something that I'm learning, and and something that you know we were talking about today during our live. So today, Ryan and I went live on Almost Thirty Podcast and Waking Up with Ryan, and we went through um, what's happening today and sort of the collective conversation that people are having, especially as it relates to anxiety. Um, for many, a lot of circumstances have put them in a place. A lot of the circumstances put them in a place where they have to sit with themselves. And I am exploring that now personally. And it can bring up a lot of anxiety for people. So I would love to talk about what does anxiety mean for you and how is it showing up for people?
2: Right now, especially, anxiety is running high. And it's understandable, right? There's a lot of triggers for anxiety right now around financial insecurities and Just uncertainty in terms of not really knowing what the future holds across the board. And obviously the triggers around our health concerns, staying healthy. And then as I mentioned on our live stream, I think there's also this anxiety inducing trigger of just not being able to touch each other, not being able to be in kind of close proximity of relationship in the way that we're used to and in ways that we need right now. And so the fact that anxiety is running really high right now is really understandable. And that's one of the things that I want to really drive home is I think often we, when we are in in an anxious moment, we think something's wrong with us. We tear ourselves down. I shouldn't be acting this way. Why can't I get a grip? Why do they have it easier than I do right now? My circumstances aren't that bad, whatever it is. And what I would love to invite is some more freaking compassion for ourselves some more loving awareness for being able to say, this is hard. So I wish that we could be a little bit more compassionate toward ourselves and to be able to say, you know what, this is hard. This is challenging. So what is anxiety? So um, this may be a bit of an unpopular way to say this and may cause some argumentativeness, which I'm fine with, because I want to invite just a different way to look at anxiety. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm right, but I just want to see how this lands with people. I don't know that anxiety is really a feeling. I don't know that the experience of anxiety, right, when people say, I feel anxious, I don't know that it's really a feeling. I actually think that anxiety isn't a thing. Rather, it's the absence of a thing. I'm gonna get into that. I think that anxiety is a byproduct. Anxiety is what happens when we don't feel the feelings that we need to be feeling. And why don't we feel our feelings? Well, we never really learned how to feel our feelings. Not only do we grow up in a society that has completely cut itself off to any kind of an emotional connection, right? If you look at the way society has been built, it has been built with a absolute destruction of what we call the feminine. The feminine is that which receives, that which feels, right? We know that a woman has more hormonal changes in 30 days than a male does in an entire year. We look at the word lunatic, which comes from the lunar, the moon, which is the feminine, the female, right? And so this this conversation has nothing to do with gender, but just to do with the masculine is that which thinks and does, the feminine is that which feels and receives. And we've built a culture that uplifts the thinking and doing and reduces Totally eliminates the the validity and the value of feeling and being, which is really the root of why we're in the state that we're in right now in the world. of So much destruction and so much inequality and so much fear and people being able to be abusive toward each other and unconscious of the way that their choices and decisions impact others. Is because if we were really rooted and connected into our feelings, no one would be able to treat each other in the way that politically we treat each other, societally we treat each other. And so there's this societal thing that we were raised into, that we were brought up inside of, that never taught us how to feel our feelings. In fact, it told us not to feel our feelings. Don't cry.
0: Snowflake. Right?
2: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, especially as a, as a male, Mm, right. Boys don't cry. Right. And so, and then now let's also go into our family home where none of us were raised by enlightened masters. It wasn't a thing to go to on site and to do experiential trauma healing therapy work for our parents and for their parents and for their parents. Right. I'm a direct descendant of, of people who, were affected by a massive genocide, right? Like generation after generation after generation, trauma has been passed down. Our parents were raised in homes that were not healthy and their parents were raised in homes that were not healthy and moving on down, right? And so we were then raised in household by in a household by parents who God loved them and so grateful, but didn't necessarily do all the healing work. And so when I, as a young child who was born into a world that is steeped in the thought systems of fear and competition and not enoughness, right, and scarcity, when I was born into that world as a young, feeling, empathetic, curious child, and I had an outburst of emotion, I didn't have a parent. That sat next to me and held me and said, you get to feel however you want to feel right now. Tell me about how you feel. I'm here to be with you, to hold space for you to feel how you're feeling. Instead, I had parents that, again, no disrespect. They're amazing. They gave me everything. But they, they were stressed, right? And they when I was crying out, said to me, like, stop crying. There's nothing to cry about. Don't be upset, right? Or some version of that. And so my system never learned how to feel feelings. If I had had a parent who showed me how by being there with me and serving as an an example, my system, my body, my mind would have learned how, when I have a big feeling, how to sit with it. And so here we are. As adults, having these childlike emotions arise inside of just basic. I'm sad. I'm angry. Maybe I'm just like because I'm hungry, whatever it is. I'm just these basic emotions arise inside of me. And I don't, as an adult, know how to hold space for them. So this emotion arises inside of me that causes great discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. Some kind of a quote negative emotion. I'm really uncomfortable about it. And so then I go into my head because I don't know how to go into my feelings. So I go into my thoughts and then my thoughts start spinning. I'm feeling anxious because of this, because of the money, because of my job, because of my... And then I spin into a story. All the while I'm thinking, thinking, thinking maybe about what i'm feeling i'm thinking about the scenario i'm in a story and i'm ignoring what the actual somatic feeling is inside of my body and the thinking instead of feeling is the anxiety that's how i would define anxiety right now
0: powerful i think it's you know i think that's that's profound in the avoidance i think the avoidance of the feeling is is profound. And it is that, uh, you know, where you keep it in your mind and your mind, like a computer wants to find a reasoning behind the thought that either your intuition or yourself is telling you. So then we project it onto things that are like part of the illusion. So that's the job, the the money, the whatever, but it actually is like that deeper programmed feeling. And, you know, my experience with anxiety was, was that, you know, I've had multiple periods in my life where it's been where it's been worse and since I brought mindfulness and meditation I've been able to to really work with it and I actually don't experience it that much but when I was ignoring my feelings and my intuition the most and I wasn't allowing myself to feel in the way that I should that's when it was bad. And that's when the loop thoughts were just incessant. And I really honor you for taking the stand that you're taking, you know, uh, about anxiety. And I really offer for people to just sit and and think with that and kind of um, work with that, you know, work with that idea and like, Understand and try and think about what those emotions that people are repressing could potentially be, and it does take a while to get there to to get to that root feeling, and it may be uncomfortable and it may you know not be easy, but it's it's very worthwhile. Um, so for you and your experience, like how do people get to that feeling? You know, say say they're like, okay, yeah, I, I can totally get on board with this. I wasn't allowed to feel, and I know that I have feelings underneath, but how do I allow myself to to experience those to then? lessen my anxiety.
2: Yeah. There's one other piece I want to jump into really quick just to address this. Why is it that anxiety is seeming to run higher right now as well? And then I'll get into what do we do about it? How do we process? How do we feel? Is typically, we've grown accustomed to a life filled with all sorts of activities, Right. So if it's going to work or it's running to a yoga class or it's going to see a friend or it's all the activities that we have that are super beautiful, that are awesome, that are so fun about being alive. Those things, though, also can serve as distractions or another word for that is medicators. So when a big feeling, I see this in myself. If I have a down moment during my day where I'm not working, And then this feeling arises inside of me that I'm uncomfortable with. If I'm not in a hyper conscious moment in that moment, my head goes to what can I do? Which the what can I do is what we call a medicator, right? The other question, the other way of talking about it is what how can I avoid this feeling? How can I avoid feeling what this feels like? Another way this shows up is if for those of us who, by the way, I'd imagine the vast majority of people listening to the Almost 30 podcast are more on the codependent or anxious attachment leg, leg because we are the ones that, are, that tend to be more connected to working on ourselves, right? People who are more avoidant or narcissistic avoid doing work on themselves, right? We all, we all know that. One of the ways that we try to avoid feeling what we feel is by signing up for relationships where we can fix other people. And we can do a whole other podcast about how this stuff shows up in relationships. Majority of my coaching is around relationship work. But when someone else is having an uncomfortable or a negative emotional experience, if we tend to be more anxious in our attachment style, we find ways that we can fix them. And it's not, we call it altruistic, right? I'm just looking for someone to save. It's not really altruistic. It's actually our own avoidance. It's when you're uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable, and I don't know how to be uncomfortable and how to sit with myself and my own feelings that are arising as a result of you being uncomfortable. And so I try to fix you as a way to avoid me having to feel what I'm feeling. So that's a little side note that is, that's a PowerPoint that I just wanted to throw in there. We have all these medicators and the medicators are the distractions, like the ways that, when I would feel something, be like, oh, I have to do something. I'm going to go run to take a yoga class, right? Whatever that thing. I'm going to go do grocery shopping. I'm going to go for a run, whatever. We have less of those medicators right now, less of those distractions right now. So it's harder to run from ourselves right now. So we have limited resources in terms of distractions. We still have distractions, though. We have our cell phone. <laughs> we have our scrolling. We have our social media right? We have whatever's in the fridge. Maybe if we're a smoker, we have the cigarette, we have all sorts of, of behaviors or, or, or experiences that we can use as distractors. And so I just wanted to touch on that because one of the ways that you know that or that I know that I'm avoiding is when I'm in some kind of a compulsive behavior that I, that if I'm really being in my highest self, I wouldn't choose eating this whole half of a cake. I wouldn't really choose scrolling through Instagram for 30 minutes. If I'm really being in my highest, asking the question, what's the best thing for me right now? And I'm doing it anyways. I'm in some kind of a compulsive behavior that I feel I have no control over. And that's probably because I'm ignoring, I'm avoiding feeling a certain kind of way. So... How do we alleviate anxiety? How do we deal with this? Um, That's where I'm glad we're doing our workshop that's coming up because it's it's something that really needs to be experienced as multiple practices throughout the day. So there's a couple things that I want to pinpoint here. One is we need to have a practice. In the moment that the anxiety arises, I'm going to address that in a moment because I think what's more important to talk about is the only way that we're going to have the consciousness to realize that we're having an anxiety moment and do something about it in the moment when the stress is on is if we have a daily practice. That, we don't, that, that is independent of whether we're feeling anxious or wonderful. If we have a daily morning practice, ritual, that we stick to every single day, I think of my meditation practice, for example. I don't really think of my meditation practice anymore as a spiritual practice. I think about it as the preparation for the real spiritual practice And the real spiritual practice is what do I do in the moment that my anxiety or my stress kicks kicks in? That's the moment where the real work is. But we need to have the preparation work in the morning if we're going to have a fighting chance to have access to that kind of awareness in the moment that we're getting triggered. Okay. So there's two ways of talking about. So what do we do? One is we have to have a daily disciplined practice. For me, it's meditation. I've never found a practice more powerful and simple than being in a silent, I'm a Vedic meditation practitioner. I do my 20-minute meditation with my mantra. This is something that, of course, Miracle says, the ego loves to talk about these spiritual practices, but it's the last thing that will actually do the practice. Okay, so there's a big difference between talking about meditation and how good it is for us and actually doing it. Talking about meditation and how good it is for us has no benefit. Doing it has every benefit. And so I sit and do my 20-minute meditation practice every single day, um which gives me space and time to have a relationship with myself which downregulates the stress in my system which allows me to be aware of the kind of ways that I'm talking to myself that are not loving, that are stressful, that are harmful, allows me to see them so that I know, oh my God, that's the reality that my mind is swimming in right now. Okay, there it is. And then I have some kind of a choice as to whether I'm committed to diving into that for the rest of the day or not. It also, what meditation also does for me is it gives me the experience of what it's like to prioritize myself. So, so much of the day, we're always focused on everyone else and everything else and all of our responsibilities and everything we have to do out there in the world. And we're forgetting that there is a being who is inside of us who needs attention and love and connection. And that we have a responsibility to be in relationship with that being. And as a result of doing that practice every single day, literally every single day, I don't know how if I can drive that home anymore. Like Disciplined every single day, whether you want to do it or not, this is not a practice that you do when you feel like it. This isn't a practice that you wait to do until you feel like it. It's not a practice that you avoid when you're having a good day, right? How often does that happen? we turn to these practices when we feel like crap and as soon as we're feeling good again we think we don't need them anymore and that is the ego's way of diving in to build a wall between us and our spiritual self so what this practice does for me is it is it builds more awareness it builds more compassion for myself it and it builds a relationship with myself and it gives me autonomy again so that that way when the thing happens later in the day where there's that trigger and then the stressor happens and then the anxiety starts response, starts happening inside of me and my thoughts start going wild because I've been doing my morning practice, I'm hearing what's happening and I'm realizing, oh my God, there's a big feeling that's happening inside of me right now. So now I can go into the practice in real time which has everything to do with can I move my awareness away from the thoughts that are going into my head and into the feelings that are going on inside my body somatically? Can I, instead of rejecting the feeling or depressing the feeling, which we've been doing our whole lives, which leads to depression, instead of depressing the feeling, can I allow it? Right? So I've recognized, oh my God, I'm having a big feeling. Can I allow myself, I'm willing to feel this right now. I'm willing to feel what I don't want to feel. And can I just sit in that relationship with that feeling? The more I do that in the moment when the anxiety is kicking in, I turn from my thoughts into my feelings, the more that energy will move. The more I'll get out of my head and out of the negative story around whatever's happening, and the more I'll start taking care of myself. You said earlier, Krista, about how when people are quieter and slower and listen more, that they seem more confident. I think that confidence in our own selves doesn't have to do with believing that we can do everything. Doesn't have to, you know, it's not this kind of like arrogance that I'm so special, and that I'm bulletproof. I think confidence actually comes from knowing that when I enter into the world, into certain circumstances that might be difficult, that those circumstances are going to bring up inside of me uncomfortable feelings that I've been avoiding. And confidence comes from the knowing that I can allow myself to feel that and that I can be with it and that it's not going to kill me.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I I think saying it that way is so profound because again, just kind of for people out there that have felt so much shame around feeling for so long, like that is so true. That is where the confidence lies and the autonomy piece really speaks to me. I feel like my morning practice has allowed me to not no longer identify with my fear, no longer identify with those thoughts that have been um, keeping me small or just in that state of anxiousness, and I've just realized to kind of bring back that parent family piece, like how enmeshed I was in their identification with fear and anxiety, and so I just I became that. I kind of took that on because I thought that it would help them to feel better if I kind of took more of that on. So there's this like subconscious, like balancing that happens I think within a family where I'm the oldest. So like taking on their anxiety meant that I was like, okay, I'm a part of this family. Like I'm, I'm helping. And so (laughs) it's like so fucked up, but it's like, it's true. And then you realize later in life and that's kind of been my work, especially now, like during this time on earth and in in isolation that's what's been coming up it's like this detachment which feels so dramatic and painful cuz you're like they're my family like no but it's like it's been so unhealthy for me and unhealthy for for them as well so i just think that is that is so profound did you have experience with that like later in life as it relates to your family
2: oh my god yes yeah, this piece that you share around shame for 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 feeling. Shame has to do with this idea that there's something wrong with me. And so there's this association that because I have these big feelings there's something wrong with me. What I want to say to everyone listening to this is because you have these big feelings means you're alive. That means that there's actually something really right with you. Right? So we have to rewire this shame piece. And I think the reason that we have this shame connecting Lindsay with your family and with my family is that we were largely invalidated when we had big feelings, right? And as, as we experienced at onsite and, and we learned this, I don't know if you remember this, but this has really stuck with me is that when, when, um, trauma informed therapists have looked into those who heal from trauma, like big T traumas versus those who don't, meaning those who don't carry that trauma with them experience debilitating PTSD versus those who experience big trauma and are able to continue moving on with life, the big difference is the first person they told about their traumatic experience to, did that person validate them? If you share with somebody that you experienced a big trauma and they say something to you like that never happened, which happens a lot for people who were abused as children and they go to an adult and say, this happened to me. An adult says to them, no, no, you're making that up. That never happened to you. Right. That could be an experience of invalidation or an invalidation can simply be something as benign as you shouldn't feel that way. When we're invalidated, Our system learns it's not safe to feel this, and it's certainly not safe to share it. And so if I can't share it and be validated, then I need to not feel it. I need to push it under. I need to push it away. And I learned that from my family big time, just out of respect for their own personal things. I won't go into the the specifics, but both of my parents are survivors of childhood trauma, like big childhood trauma. And I never did the work on it. And I was raised in that environment. So the shame around really having authentic human emotions was very real in my household because there was no space for it. I was completely invalidated in it. And the more I look back, the deeper I go into my trauma-informed care for myself and my therapy for myself, the more I see all the ways that I, I got that message. Um, and that I learned exactly, Lindsay, if I am going to, if I'm going to have a place in this family, then I need to do the same stuff that they're doing. For me as a young child, though, the way where I was different was I rejected it all. Like from six years old, I rejected the, the, the way the family existed. And then I was like, Fuck this noise. I'm doing it totally different, which for me created a rebellious thing, which was really beautiful on one side because it forced me to create my own self, which also as a then closeted homosexual in a world that I was not accepted and felt very unsafe there was a lot of beauty to looking at them and going you're not healthy and you don't know how to love me exactly as i am and so i'm going to find ways to express myself and find my own path and find my own people and that's beautiful but on the other side there's a real shadow to that kind of rebelliousness it's affected my adult life in in my finances in getting in being responsible in you know, the ways in which that I used to hide as a child because I felt so unsafe. It's really easy for me now as an adult to hide from myself, hide from others, hide when I feel insecure in my relationship, which, you know, things that we hide away turn can turn really dark. And so I absolutely see how my family of origin stuff has reared me, but... I've also seen how beautiful it is to, as an adult at any age, even though it can feel hopeless, we can reparent ourselves. And I want to really quick just get into a spiritual lens on that too, because, 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 because. So I keep talking about A Course in Miracles, which is this metaphysical text. Of course, the miracle says faith is an aspect of our consciousness. so there's no such thing as faithlessness. We all have faith in something, and that the relationship we have with the universe, our creator, so we all have a belief system about the universe. The belief system may be that it doesn't exist. It's still a belief system. A lot of us who are on our spiritual paths are opening up to our relationship with the universe with Natural intelligence. And what we believe about the universe, whether we believe it's here for us or it's working against us, right? Our belief system about this creative energy is impacting every decision we're making right now. The relationship or the thought system or the belief system that we have that we've developed about the universe has come, now go with me on this, has come from the relationship. Or the thoughts that we have about our parents. Why is that? Because the closest thing we have in physical life to a creator is our parents. And so everything we've come to believe about our parents in terms of their lovability, their support, their presence, or their abuse, their toxicity, the ways they couldn't support me, the way they couldn't hold space for me, All of those beliefs we have unconsciously projected onto the universe. And so one of the reasons it's really, really important for us to re-parent ourselves, to become the parents to ourselves that we need right now, is that it opens up and redefines the relationship we we have with the universe. And the relationship we have with the universe is dictating everything we're doing right now just want to throw that in there as like some food for thought.
0: Just on that, something I've been working with right now as it relates to that that I've recently discovered through therapy was like my tendency to not trust authority. And that comes through a lot of different ways, sometimes in conspiracies, sometimes other. And I made the connection that because I never trusted authority growing up, so within my life I try and find ways in which I can continue that patterning and that belief that authority is not to be trusted. Authority doesn't have your best interest at heart. Authority will always like backstab you. Authority will never really be there for you. And it showed up. You know, I was a rebel too, so that showed up my whole life. But it's funny how it's also showing up right now in my reality. So it's almost like I create this reality, and then these situations are brought to me to confirm that, or I seek out these situations to. Con- to confirm that. So I think for people, it's an interesting thing to think about like tracing back your feelings like, okay, so maybe you felt untrustworthy or unworthy. Like, how now is that showing up for you as like your greatest lesson and your greatest teacher? And I think that has been it's a and for me, it's it's fun to start with the easier ones and then kind of work your way back to like the really hard, the really hard things So it's a little bit easier to chew on. This was so beautiful. And and I just want to as my last question, just ask and offer up, you know, what is the the resounding message that you're receiving right now that you're sharing with your community during this time?
2: Slow down. Just slow down. Please just slow down. It's like we spend so much time doing a lot of wasting our energy on things that are really non-essential. This language around essential activities, I think, is really interesting to look at in our own life. Like, What is really essential versus what are the things that we've been doing because we're just running this hamster wheel? And I think we're going we're gonna to continue seeing that the businesses that th- survived this time are things that are actually providing some kind of an essential value to people. And the people who are going to thrive during this time are going to be people who use this time to ask what is essential about being alive? What is essential about the gifts that I give? What is essential about how I spend my time? And I think that it's that slowing down is absolutely necessary to build a relationship with our authentic self, with who we truly, truly, truly are. And I think I used to hear people say that kind of stuff, like build a relationship with yourself. The relationship with yourself is the one that matters the most. 10, 11, 12, 15 years ago, I used to listen to gurus and people that would talk about that. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a nice concept. It's remained a concept. And because I've been so disciplined and diligent in my practice as best as I can, by the way, I've been far, far, far from perfect. Okay, So we have to leave room to mess up, to fall into our indulgences, to be absolutely imperfect. But what I have found is that notion of slowing down enough to build a relationship with ourselves is not just a concept; it's very, very real somatic thing. And when we do it, it becomes you know the, the relationship we have with ourselves becomes the blueprint of the relationship we have with everyone and everything. How we talk to ourselves becomes how we. Allow others to talk to us. How we treat ourselves becomes how we allow others to treat us in work, in relationship, across the board. And so, if we can slow down to to, to prioritize this relationship we have with ourselves, and not just the parts of ourselves that we like and the parts of ourselves that we're comfortable with, but the parts of ourselves that are afraid, the parts that are of ourselves that are um, compulsive, the parts of ourselves that are imperfect. And instead of hiding those things away from ourselves, look at them, be with them, feel into them. I think that more than any other law of attraction or spiritual, you know, shaman thing, that piece is the most valuable to creating a life that we actually wake up one day inside of and go, huh, I love my life.
0: Mm. Beautiful.
1: The goal. I feel that last question for me. You spoke earlier about just our want for kind of that human connection and those relationships. It's kind of been like stripped from us during this time. Although of course, thank goodness for kind of this (laughs) this ability online, but how would you recommend to people that they pour into their relationships and just kind of keep that connection? Because I think sometimes, you know, yes, Zoom's amazing, FaceTime's amazing. We hop on for like a happy hour. Hey guys, let's catch up. But are there deeper ways that we can connect with the people that we really care
2: about? Such a good question the one thing that comes to mind is when you are in, cause we don't have, a ch- we have to use the zoom. We have to use the FaceTime right now. We don't have the option to go and sit with someone on their couch, at least right now. And actually what I'm about to share is actually very relevant for when we do sit with each other on, on each other's couches again, is ask better questions show up inside of a connection with your people and ask good questions, ask thoughtful questions and listen deeply, right? So beyond, you know, kind of, how are you doing? There's actually um, something that my partner and I use, um, which is great. It's the 36 questions to falling in love. Have y'all ever seen Mm, that? No, it was like, I think it was a New York times article a number of years ago there were this, this, this list of questions you can Google 36 questions, falling in love. And when he and I sit down for dinner, you know, it's like we've been together for four years. Like how much more do we have to talk about? Like, I don't, I've been working all day long. I don't want to sit down and talk about my work. All of my work that I do anyways, we have confidentiality contracts. I can't talk about it anyways. So what else are we going to talk about? And so we'll just grab one of these questions and ask it. And they're, awesome, different, thoughtful, thought-provoking things. And I think the quality of our conversations comes down to how. what are the quality of the questions that mm-hmm. we ask. It's a good
0: one.
1: Completely agree. Completely agree. This has been so amazing. We appreciate you. And I just love your perspective on so much of this. I think it's very relatable. And also so much of it, I, I hadn't heard it in that way before. So, I think, too, it's having that refreshing vantage point that might finally wake people up during this time. So we appreciate you. How can our audience connect with you?
2: So, how people can connect with me is I love the Instagram I'm at waking up with Ryan on Instagram. That is where I do my I do these daily Instagram lives every morning at seven thirty a m right now during this. Social isolation time to help give each other, pro- give give myself and others practices in how to deal with our anxieties. And then, you know, my website's Waking Up With Ryan. I don't really put a lot up on there, Great. but uh, that's how you can find me.
0: Yeah. Looking forward Perfect. to our workshop. It's going to be amazing. So if you guys want to join us, there are tickets available on the show notes of the website, almost30podcast.com slash new-paradigm. And that is the series we're hosting. And this will be an awesome workshop on anxiety. I am so looking forward to it. So thank you so much. You are such a dream um, and we love you. We will see you soon. I
2: love you too. you. We'll see you, babe. Bye, Bye everyone.
0: Bye. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm so looking forward to the workshop quitting anxiety forever. Let's learn all the tools to quit anxiety forever. Yeah. During this workshop.
1: Almost thirty podcast slash new dash paradigm. And you can learn more about Ryan, waking up with Ryan dot com and we have something special we had a special message yeah. so Kristen and i popped in on a bachelorette a virtual bachelorette the other weekend brady's best friend grace asked us to surprise brady she had to move her bachelorette and move her wedding it's just been like a really tough time and she listens to the show and so we did. It was so much fun. It was the most fun.
0: Me and Lindsay got off and we like, can we just surprise bachelorettes for That's the rest our of job. our life? That's our job. It <laughs> was funny because when I first came on, you weren't on yet. And she thought it was someone else like fucking with her <laughs> and was like, wait, what are you? She was like, oh, look who's here or something happened. And the response was like kind of, I was like, oh, I totally. think she knows. Because <laughs> I was like not excited.
1: Well, at first I was on and then I got off because they were in the middle of the, they were doing a game called Polish versus porn. Porno. So it's like a a nail polish name or a porn. Oh, that's a fun game. It was cute, and and they were like full on playing it, and I was just like, "Hey!" And Ah, like no one answered, and I was like, "I'm gonna bounce." You're like porn,
0: (laughs) one of my faves. Um, so it was such a joy to get on Brandy's virtual bachelorette. We're so thankful for her friends for facilitating that for us, and just to be there in any way we can to support people during this time. Um, her wedding was originally scheduled, and she rescheduled it to 2021 on the same. Day of my wedding. I know. I can't tell you guys because I don't want you guys. I'm just kidding. Don't want paparazzi. Don't there. want paparazzi there. Actually, I'm not telling anyone about the location or details of my wedding publicly. I love it because I don't want anyone to copy me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lol. Copy my ten thousand dollar wedding. Anyways, um we're so grateful. So I just wanted to read the kind note that. Yeah. Made my day. Thank you, Brady. Thank and you, Grace. You're so We're sweet. available for bachelorettes nationwide. Let us yeah. know. Brady says, I am still so starstruck and don't know what to say. Lindsay and Krista joined my virtual bachelorette party thanks to my fiance, sweet Adam, knowing that I listen to them in the bathroom, in the bedroom, really whenever I can get <laughs> away in our 600 square foot apartment for some female inspiration and understanding. Thank you for making my bachelorette party better than I could have imagined. I told each of my friends that I have an episode for them and I cannot wait to share their love and inspiration. It means so much. And I just, we've had a few of the fiance's, husband's boyfriends reach out to us and ask us for birthday shout outs, ask us for, you know, bachelorette mm-hmm. party surprises. And it just really moves me when the men just go out on a limb and do stuff like totally. that for their, it's so kind. And that they're so aware
1: that Mm -hmm. what their partner loves yes it's
0: cute totally cute so cute. Thank you for inviting us. That was, Thanks that was so much joy of my life. Um, sending you guys so much love this week. Hopefully, um, you know, you feel inspired after this conversation, come chat with us in the Facebook group and, you know, 20,000 other women that are super cool and calm and supportive and kind. And then I'm at it's Krista on Instagram. And I'm at Lindsay Simpsick. And you can go to shop almost 30 for all of our courses and resources that we have for you. We'll see you next time. Love you. Love you.